Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and how the tech are you? It's time for some tech news for June the 1st, 2023. How did we get to June already? Yikes. All right. <clears throat> it's another AI-heavy news episode because, you know, that's what's going on out there. You might recall that on Tuesday, I talked about Stephen Schwartz, the lawyer who uh, submitted a filing in a legal case that contained false information courtesy of ChatGPT. He didn't do it on purpose. ChatGPT just gave him information that was not true. Schwartz had used ChatGPT as part of his legal research in a case, and the chatbot invented some cases that never actually existed as precedents. So Schwartz did actually think to ask ChatGPT if the cases were real. Like, there's, a, there's an exchange where he said, hey, is that a real case? And ChatGPT is like, yeah, yeah, totes, totes real. So it turns out you just can't trust a chatbot. This, by the way, is why I'm really concerned about these chatbots being incorporated directly into things 
like web search, you know, with Microsoft and Google both rushing to do that. I think it's a mistake because of multiple reasons, one of which is this tendency toward hallucinations. Now Schwartz is awaiting a hearing that'll happen on June 8th that will determine what, if any, sanctions he will face as a result of this goof up Meanwhile, in Texas, a, uh, a, a judge named Brantley Starr has made it clear that he will not abide any AI chatbot shenanigans in his court. He said that attorneys in his courtroom must promise that, quote, no portion of the filing was drafted by generative artificial intelligence, end quote, or if any part of the filing did involve generative AI in any respect, a human being must have checked the information and verified it to be true and accurate. This covers pretty much anything lawyers would submit to the court. And I think it's an excellent idea. As we saw with Schwartz, AI just, it's not trustworthy. It can make stuff up in some cases. And honestly, this step is good for everyone in the legal system in the long run. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see other judges follow suit. OpenAI, meanwhile, is trying to address this troubling problem of AI hallucinations. So yes, in case you forgot what hallucinations mean with regard to AI, it just means an incident in which AI invents information, such as the fake legal cases cited in Schwartz's situation. And it's not that AI is a pathological liar or has some sort of motivation to give us the wrong information. It's more like when this AI gets into a situation where it does not have all the relevant information, sometimes it just makes stuff up in the absence of reliable info. Uh, it To me, it's kind of like if you've ever had a friend who just seems incapable of using the words, I don't know the answer to that, then you probably feel like this is a very familiar situation, right? Just think of someone who, rather than say, I don't know, that's interesting, I don't know. They say, oh, it's probably because, or maybe they don't even, you know, try to equivocate. They just outright say something they think is probably true and they don't know one way or the other. That's kind of what OpenAI says uh, is happening with ChatGPT, actually what a lot of AI experts say are happening with generative AI in general. And so now the company is saying it's going to revisit how AI works toward creating an answer. So right now, the model apparently follows a process called outcome supervision in which the goal is just to get the final answer. It doesn't really matter what pathway you took to get there. The ends justify the means, in other words. So the uh, outcome supervision is just the AI gets a reward if the answer it provides at the end of the day is correct. The problem is that when AI makes a mistake, say, early on in the process, this can have a much larger effect further on in the process. Like if you've ever put something together and you made a mistake early, you might realize that by the time you're getting toward the end, that small mistake has created a situation much further in the process that is a huge problem. Well, so is the same with AI. And so OpenAI is saying they're looking at changing over to process supervision in which you know, reward stages for the AI occur throughout the reasoning process. So this thought is supposed to let us think that, uh, you know, AI would uh, reward itself 
every step along the way as it made the right choices and thus would reduce the possibility of making a mistake uh, further down the line. Critics argue that it may not make any difference at all to the amount of misinformation or, or just fake information that is generated by AI. It might not matter what process it uses, but rather what's more important is that AI operates with a lack of transparency. So it can be really hard to pinpoint where a problem starts because you can't actually see what the process is. And if you can't see what the process is, it's very hard to diagnose where the problem is popping up. And so the critics worry that this change in method won't actually solve the problem of AI creating incorrect responses and misinformation. Over in Italy, a senator named Marco Lombardo stood before Parliament and delivered a speech about Italy's agreements with Switzerland. And that does not sound particularly techy, except at the conclusion of the speech, Lombardo revealed that the speech he read out was not written by a human being. Instead, it was generated by AI. And further, Lombardo said he did this in order to prompt a larger conversation about AI and to really consider what it can do and the potential consequences that can occur if people misuse it or if the AI does not perform as expected. Italy has been one of the more proactive countries to consider AI and to be critical of AI. Previously, Italy banned ChatGPT, although only temporarily, and did so because of concerns that information shared with the chatbot would not be secure and thus violate citizen privacy laws. Uh, and we've seen with ChatGPT in particular that the history of chat ended up becoming open, right? People were suddenly able to see what other people had been talking about with ChatGPT. So uh, I think it's an understandable concern as, along with privacy. But also it's good to see uh, governments having these discussions to really seriously talk about how to think about AI in order to make the best use of it and not have it create, you know, problems. Uh, Italy's approach has motivated the EU in general. Lawmakers there, as well as some in the United States, have indicated that they are now working on a code of conduct regarding AI and AI companies. Representatives from the EU and the United States met at a Trade and Technology Council meeting and started to talk over this code of conduct which would be voluntary. Now, in my mind, a voluntary code of conduct is a little bit on the weak sauce side. Uh, I get that optics can be bad if an AI company refuses to adopt the code of conduct, and that might mean that the company would find it difficult to do business with customers if they refused to sign on to this code of conduct. So there might be some you know, social pressures and business pressures to do it, but it's voluntary. Considering the potential risks associated with AI, now, uh, I am not going so far as to claim there's an existential threat level risk out there, but there is risk, and that's bad enough. But considering that risk, I think we might need more than just a voluntary code of conduct in order to keep things in line. Also, it'll be interesting to see what role various AI companies and you know, OpenAI in particular will take in helping draft this code of conduct. You know, Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, has tried to get in front of this stuff. And it uh, it makes me worry 
Because if the people who are the subject of a code of conduct are actually allowed to write or at least influence the writing of that code of conduct, you can end up with rules that don't actually guard against anything at all. And then it's just optics and that's useless. And for a horrifying story of how AI can be harmful, Chloe Xiang of Motherboard has an article titled Eating Disorder Helpline Disables Chatbot for Harmful Responses After Firing Human Staff. Y'all, that headline, that's a lot. So the story here is that the National Eating Disorder Association, or NEDA, made a plan to replace human operators of a mental health hotline with a chatbot called Tessa. So I guess the idea was that the chatbot would be you know, more efficient and cheaper than keeping human beings who have expertise and experience and, you know, empathy on the payroll. But, you know, this is not a helpline you would call if your lawnmower stopped working. Like I can see a chatbot being used for something rather mundane like this. This is a helpline designed for people who are dealing with eating disorders. Union representatives have accused NEDA of using union busting tactics and warned that relying on AI could lead to terrible situations. And earlier this week, a social media post about how this AI chatbot led to a terrible situation went viral. So first up, there was an activist named Sharon Maxwell. She decided to test out Tessa. And she said that, quote, every single thing Tessa suggested were things that led to the development of my eating disorder, end quote. So by that, what I think Maxwell is saying is that she had previously developed an eating disorder and the thoughts that went into her head that led to her developing this eating disorder were the exact same things that this chatbot was now suggesting as advice. So in other words, Tessa, Tessa was giving Maxwell the advice of, Hey, maybe you can lose a pound or two uh, by doing this, this, and this. And when you're trying to make that suggestion to someone who's dealing with an eating disorder, that is a very dangerous thing. And uh, then a psychologist named Alexis Konazon, uh, and my apologies for the pronunciation of your last name. I'm sure I'm getting it wrong. She conducted her own test and found similar results. So what was NEDA's response? Well, initially, the organization accused Konazon of fabricating the whole thing. So she sent screenshots of her conversation to NEDA. And then not too long after that, NEDA took Tessa offline in order to address some quote-unquote bugs in the program. While Tesla has guardrails that are meant to keep the chatbot from doing stuff like this, we have seen again and again that AI can bypass guardrails, even if the person on the other end of the conversation isn't trying to force things that way. And the story really points out that for some jobs, you really probably should just depend upon human beings to do the work. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got some more news items to cover. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. 
and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI in revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more, while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back. Next up, Meta says it's going to remove posts containing news content for users in the state of California if California passes a law that would require platforms like Facebook and Google to pay publishers if work from those publishers show up on those platforms. We've actually seen this issue crop up around the world Uh, Notably, it happened in Australia a couple of years ago when Australia passed a similar law. Facebook went dark in Australia temporarily. Eventually, the law took hold and things have kind of entered into an equilibrium. Whether or not the law actually addressed the issue that was of concern is another matter that actually is a, a good subject for an episode, honestly. But the idea is that publishers want compensation. They're arguing that platforms like Google, and Facebook are siphoning traffic away from the actual news websites. That's where you know they monetize that traffic. 
And these platforms are benefiting from the work being done by journalists, but they're not compensating the news outlets in the process. Meta's Andy Stone, who's uh, a name that I, I see pop up pretty much whenever the company wants to dismiss regulations that would work against it, said the bill, if signed into law, would amount to nothing more than a slush fund that would benefit large media companies, but not help smaller California-based publishers. Which, depending on how this bill is framed, that actually might be true, because I've heard similar criticisms about the Australian law. Now, I, I don't know. I haven't read the bill. If I had read the bill, I probably wouldn't have a good grasp on its limitations, because law speak be scary, yo. It's even more difficult to read than a really complex technical manual. But yes, this is uh, another battle we're starting to see unfold. Uh, I don't see California backing down from this, and it will be interesting to see where this goes. But honestly, at the end of the day, I'm mostly concerned that the law actually does what the law aims to do, right? It, it gets very frustrating when you hear about laws that potentially could correct a situation, but because of how they are written and how they're enacted, they fail to do what the purpose at least claimed to be. Meta also faces a fine levied by a court in Russia this week. The charge is that the company failed to remove prohibited content from WhatsApp, uh, specifically about a drug called Lyrica. And so the fine is 3 million rubles, which equates to about $37,000. And a Russian court also fined the Wikimedia Foundation a similar amount of money, uh, the, also 3 million rubles, but they said that Wikimedia Foundation failed to remove quote-unquote false information about Russia's war with Ukraine. Uh, something tells me that neither Meta nor Wikimedia Foundation will consider these moves particularly intimidating. Meta, certainly not. $37,000 is... Like, I don't even think they would notice if that money went away. So I don't think that this is really a, a big move against the companies. Amazon also has a couple of bills to settle this week. First up, the company agreed to pay a $38 million settlement in relation to a lawsuit that accused the company of having illegally collected and storing information relating to children through uh, the digital personal assistant whose name starts with A, ends with A, and has Lex in the middle. The Federal Trade Commission in the United States brought the case against Amazon, so the settlement requires that the company changes its data collection, storage, and deletion practices on top of paying the fine. The other bill Amazon has to pay is $5.8 million. This is another settlement, also with the FTC. This one is with regard to Amazon's Ring products. Those are the security systems and doorbell camera systems. The FTC accused Amazon of having a system that allowed employees and contractors to access video feeds from customer cameras without any real safeguards to prevent that from happening. As you might imagine, that is a huge privacy and security violation. Amazon has agreed to create new processes with regular checkups to make sure that the company has a tighter data security strategy, while also simultaneously saying we never broke the law <laughs> because that's that's what you can do when you make settlements. All right. One trend happening with some tech platforms is to make changes to how these platforms give access to an API, which is an application programming interface. That's what lets app developers tap into larger platforms in order to do whatever it is. So a developer might create an app 
that ties into a larger platform like Twitter, or as we'll talk about in a second, Reddit. And these apps then reference, they send requests to the underlying platform and that populates the app. So Twitter has a price tag associated with this. For every 50 million tweets requested, a developer has to cough up $42,000. And yes, 50 million tweets, that's a lot. But if your app is super popular and a lot of people are using it all day, you're going to hit that 50 million mark over and over again. Reddit is now doing something similar. They've changed their API. And Christian Selig, the developer behind the popular Reddit app Apollo, reports that he might have to shut the app down entirely because of Reddit's new policy, which is to charge $12,000 per 50 million requests. Selig revealed that Apollo generates around 7 billion requests every month, and that means it would cost around $20 million a year to operate the app, and Selig, understandably, is not in a position to pay that much. Generally speaking, the app developer community is not too keen on this approach as it punishes you for being successful. Finally, if you have a PC rig with a motherboard from Gigabyte, you should know that security researchers at Eclipsium discovered the company had created a backdoor system to deliver firmware updates to the motherboard, and that system lacks proper security, which means a hacker could potentially hijack that delivery system and use it to send executable code straight to target computers. Do not pass go, do not collect $200. If you're curious, if your device has a gigabyte motherboard, you can go to the start menu in Windows and look at system information. Um, more than 250 motherboards are affected by this. So that's a big ouch. Supposedly, Gigabyte is working on this and intends to create a solution. But as of right now, I don't know of any solution that has actually out there. So be careful out there. All right, that's it for the tech news for today, June 1st, 2023. I hope you're all well, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 